You want us to call you Rich or Richard when I introduce that? Yeah. Rich is typically just more casual and easy for me to respond to. Richard, it is. Dick, if you want to be <laughs> honest about it. All right. Sounds good. I'll use Rich. Everything sucks. Just kidding. Everything is great. No, really. I haven't thought about my ex today. Oh, wait. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Bad Weather Podcast, the one and only, the show that's dedicated to men's mental health, helping you survive your storm. And again, I say it every single time that we join a new podcast. It's not for men anymore. It's for women also. It's for anybody that's listening. It's kind of become a little bit more uh, like omni-gender. Miller, is that a word? Omni-gender. It's not a word I've ever heard, but I'm not going to tell you no. Agnostic. Gender agnostic. I think we knew what you meant. That's the point of words. I always say that. Like If you say a word... And it's not a word, but I get your meaning. Done. Communication achieved. Like who cares? <laughs> All right. Well, I'm gonna use a <laughs> bunch of words that are aren't the right words, but you're gonna you're gonna get it. I hear you. All right. I'm gonna philanthropy us over to uh, some introductions here. Is, is that the wrong word? <laughs> Great. No. <that's> stymied. <laughs> See, no communication happened there. I was completely confused. Uh, I skipped over some of the good stuff. I'm one of the hosts, J.P. Hurley. Joining this week, Jonathan Miller. John, that was the sound of my voice, and this is, too, is, the sound of my voice. Week's going fine. It's busy as hell. But uh, here I am. This is like the last thing to do today before I go home and cook steaks. So, oh, yum. You're getting the best of me here. Yummy Hungry. steaks. It is kind Hungry of getting to be, it's like later in the afternoon on a Friday. We We always record on Fridays, but... Usually it's closer to noon. It's two o'clock. So I think I might actually, while one of you guys are talking, I might mosey on over to grab myself a drink, a beverage, maybe? Mm, Question mark. Nice. Yeah, you better do that. Hopefully, oh, I don't need to say the, long enough. I don't need to say the question mark. I'm used to doing like Texas speech with Siri. So I guess I don't have to say that, right? <laughs> yeah, when you I guys don't are know. listening. Communicated. Right. Worked just fine. Hey, listen, all you Kims and Jims that are listening out there this week, very special episode. We're going to continue on the series of divorce stories, and we've got um, a, a brand new guest for you, a brand new story. This one's more compelling than uh, I think we've had in a while. Um, his name is Rich. Rich, thank you for joining the show, man. What's up? Hey, happy to be here. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. Uh, Rich, just uh, I hold zero certifications in mental health. Uh, but I hold a lot of experience and miles written in uh, dealing with divorce through some addiction. So hoping that the message today uh, hits listeners ears and makes uh, connection and helps uh, some. Yeah. That yeah. sounds like a certification to me, Miller. What do you think? It works for us. I mean, it's, he's just as certified as anybody else on this show is. Certifiably insane. <laughs> like we kind of all, we all lose a little bit of sanity through the course of divorce. Do we not? Wouldn't that be true? Amen. Amen. Can't argue with that. <laughs> That's how this goes. Uh, the reason why this story is very compelling is because we haven't had this before. And this is kind of like a hybrid, like mailbag episode too. Like we've reached out to some listeners and we've asked for topic suggestions. And more, uh, more, more than one time, we've had users that have asked about um, substance abuse, alcoholism, stuff like that to be covered on a, on a podcast. Well, as it turns out, Rich has some experience on the subject matter. And without spoiling anything, Rich, I want you to kind of go through your divorce story and, uh, you know, feel free to talk about whatever topics you want to bring into it. But I know that's kind of been the theme of, of yours. Happy to. <clears throat> and thanks for the the platform, the opportunity. Uh, feel free to jump in if I start going in a direction that, you know, is uh, not the most beneficial. Um, <laughs> Sounds good. 
Uh, so uh, my ex and I have been uh, divorced, just so uh, people have an understanding of how long uh, this has been in my rear view, um, for about a year and a half. So it, there's still a lot of freshness. Am I healed? No, that's a, that's a hard no. Uh, but am I uh, a lot better than I was 18 months ago? You bet. Uh, so one day at a time, as they say. Um, but we, we met in, uh, you know, pretty cool circumstances, kind of going back to, you know, how things started and thought that, uh, you know, everything was the way it should be. I, I tell you the, going back to the very beginning, we met in, you know, foreign country working for the same company, never knew each other, love at first sight. It's a beautiful story. Uh, you know, it should be a movie, but, uh, the movie doesn't have a happy ending and the signs of the addiction were there from the beginning. Um, I didn't, I didn't acknowledge them. I didn't think they were real. Uh, but the addiction I'm referring to is alcoholism. Hmm. And, uh, we were married for just over 12 years and have three wonderful children together. Uh, so there's of course, you know, some fruit and some amazing things that have come from this marriage, uh, uh, not to under, uh, under, underestimate either the lessons that we've learned, uh, through the process, uh, but didn't start with, you know, uh, a marriage with ever thinking divorce was a possibility and got to a point where inevitably it was the only thing I saw that was a way out. That was the best for myself, uh, my health and, you know, putting my children first, the best for them. So, uh, Early in our relationship, she would drink, uh, but it was social drinking, but she would not have that governor that a lot of us have. Mm. I'm like, okay, I've had enough. I should probably, you know, slow it down. Right. And, and I'm no saint, you know, I've, mm. I've, I've been there where you go too far sometimes and, you know, uh, you, you wake up the next day, you regret it and you say, you're never going to do that again. But um, the easiest way to just describe the progression of this disease for uh, that, 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 as I saw it in her is that the frequency of that happening, just, it got more and more and more mm -hmm. each year. And the level of control that she had, um, got less and less and less. And I, uh, I, our last couple years of marriage sought help through her family. I sought help through, uh, uh, a program called Al-Anon and mm -hmm. it's, I'll just say it's this, it's founded by the same folks who do AA and I'll say it this way in that it, you think it's a scam because it's free <laughs> and uh -huh. anything that's free just can't work. Right. You have to pay for yeah. things that work. Yeah. Um, but AA is the most successful program to get alcoholics out of drinking. And Al-Anon is the most successful program to help people impacted by alcoholism, how to deal with these things. Yep. Um, so um, I, I sought help there. And there's lots of resources for help, but the, the, I guess at the end of the day, the divorce story was that uh, halfway through our marriage, uh, there were, you know, things that, you know, I would say are unacceptable. I'll just say infidelities mm. and not on my end. Mm -hmm. And I had addressed it and I made a decision to stay and, you know, I'm a man of faith, prayed about it, said, I'm going to, I'm going to be in this for the children. I'm going to be in this because I think it's the right thing to do. And she's going to, you know, change her ways. It, it, it was probably the best couple of years of our marriage after that um, years, you know, say seven and eight. And then it was kind of right back to the other, but the disease of alcoholism is a progressive disease. Mm. There, there is no cure, which is why they say the only way to stop it is to arrest it or stop uh, drinking. And there's lots of resources to help people do that, but there's no cure to eradicate yourself 
uh, with the disease of alcoholism. So that's why you hear that's people crazy. say in the, in the movies, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Um, right. So did, oh, Rich, did you have any experience with uh, family of origin um, having an, any addiction issues or did you, did you see it growing up or, or know what you might be looking for? Uh, yeah. And probably it actually didn't help me uh, to your point around know what to look for. Yeah. It actually probably nor normalized more like yeah. this is, this is normal. Uh, I had a, a father who, you know, drank too much in my early ages and kind of toned things back. My grandfather, while I never saw him drink, was an alcoholic. Mm. Um, and my father was raised by, by that. And my, my ex's, uh, father is an active alcoholic today still. Okay. There's uh, something to be uh, said about the genetic disposition and that, you know, as much as angry as I get at her, I don't blame her. I blame the disease. Now she has fault in not trying to deal with it and fix it and own it and admit it, but mm. the actual disease itself is not her fault. It's a disease. Yeah. Uh, just for listeners, I think if if you haven't heard of Al-Anon or you don't know if you are dealing with that situation, I think that's pretty much the gold standard recommendation for anybody who's dealing with a situation like Rich is to seek out Al-Anon and, uh, you, you know, you, you basically end up doing work on yourself first right, Rich, uh, as I understand it, to um, then help address the problem with your spouse or whoever you're talking about? Yeah, my this is a good story. So, and it wasn't the only time, but it's a story uh, I think is just an example of how bad things got. The day before I went to Al-Anon, she didn't come home that night, didn't communicate with me. We have three children, remember? And I'm very concerned, very anxious, very nervous. Did she hurt herself? Did someone hurt her? Uh, I have no idea what's happening. No communication. And uh, I didn't know where to turn. I was talking to her mother. Her mother didn't know what to tell me. Um, nobody knew where she was. And the next day, she showed up at 5 a.m. And I had been doing some research um, uh, and someone had, someone had clued me into Al-Anon, which is another story in itself and how I got clued into it. But um, I showed up at uh, an Al-Anon meeting at 8 a.m. Uh, and it's completely anonymous. I'm a big supporter of the program, uh, but I, I do think it's the gold standard. But I didn't go there to fix me, which is what the program does, is helps you point the finger at yourself. I went there to fix her, like help me with this alcoholic, this problem yeah. in my life, like fix her. What do I got to do? And yeah. you start to realize it's, it's not about her. It's about you and how you deal with and react to these situations. Yeah. That's all you have control over, uh, over after everything, like that's all you have control over is yourself and how you react to that situation. And why are you enabling that person or, you know, why are you in this situation or why maybe as you pointed out before, why are you attracted to this or, or why is this normal in your eyes, maybe in the first place early in the relationship, right? hundred percent. So yeah. what was the, um, the ending of that, that story, like, uh, just was out somewhere hammered, drunk, passed out or something, or uh, she was going to a concert with a girlfriend, um, was supposed to be back. Uh, I can't make this stuff up. Uh, she, um, according to her friend, um, stole her Tinder date, stayed in a hotel with another man, says nothing happened. And I'm just supposed to accept and everything's okay. Um, Ooh, holy fucking hell. Pretty, pretty, pretty dramatic story to swallow. Dude, that Good sucks. Lord. How did you, 
I hate to key off on one specific thing because there's sounds like there's a lot here, but how, how did you, the, our listeners know very well that I can't, that's, that's a, a thing I can't, a line I can't cross. Um, it's a boundary I can't undo. Um, I I've often said it's a, the meatloaf song for me. I, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. And like infidelity <laughs> is what I won't do. Um, how did you do that? Like, how did, like, what was the, tell me about how you, you got to that point where you could trust again, love again. Um, and, and be like you said, the, the years following the infidelities and you, you said plural were some of the best years of your marriage. How did you get to that? Like personally within? Yeah. The <clears throat> very good question. The first, the frequency of how often it happened. I have zero idea. Um, cause one of the key traits of an alcoholic is they lie mm-hmm. a lot. Uh, and, um, they start to get good at those things. Um, but also when you're, you know, incapacitated, you're really not that good at it. And you can start to see through a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know of, I know of a couple times that I could confirm, but otherwise I don't know. Um, the first time, the most impactful time, uh, the most heart-wrenching time, um, we had two children at the time. And it's what, like, as I said, a couple years of happiness, which led to our third child. So I guess mm-hmm. I'm glad I stayed for that regard. There's, there's yeah. a, there's a an amazing, beautiful, uh, outcome of that, Definitely. but I, I, I prayed, um, I prayed, I, 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 I looked up and I said, what am I supposed to do? Um, and I didn't know. And I, it was a deal breaker for me. Uh, JP, I said, never, never, ever in my life. Once a cheater, always a cheater. No way am I going to fall for that trick. Um, but when I was put in that situation, um, and I had that hard. It's not so easy. It's yeah. not so, it's not so black and white. So I, I guess I would say that, um, I felt like it was the right thing to do and that there was an opportunity to repair, repent and come back together stronger. And, uh, I also try to take ownership in that. I, I, I've, I've always believed it takes two to tango and, mm. you know, you could, you can debate like, was it, you know, 90% her fault or 80% her fault. Right. I always believe that, you know, there's a percentage of this, whether it's 1% my fault or 20% my fault, you know, uh, I, I've done things, you know, in my case, threw myself at my career above, you know, her, um, and that maybe caused it some of this and created that opportunity. Um, I want to talk about, so thank you for diving back into that again. I know this is, um, it's not always easy to relive those things. I know that we talk to therapists and friends and close ones and family members, um, about these things, but it's not always easy to kind of go back and relive through those things. So thanks again for sharing all those things. Um, moving forward from there chronologically, how did you start the d- divorce process after, um, and actually like before you answer that, what was it that caused you to kind of like this, that's it. Like now is the time I want to divorce after you've been through multiple infidelities, you've been, you know, dealing with uh, a very difficult situation with an alcoholic, um, and like, what, what was it that caught, what was the tipping point? So I, I guess it's important to say, I don't trust her. I still don't trust her because when someone's cheated on you and have, you've not done the work to rebuild the trust, you could never trust again. Right. Um, but, um, the, the work, <clears throat> the, the tipping point for me to determine the divorce was an ultimatum, uh, that I had given her and, uh, I, I had talked with my Al-Anon sponsor about this uh, cause you were really trying to not like control another person. Right. Uh, 
not to bring Alan on into all of this, but they, they no, teach keep you doing it. I think it's valuable. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's real valuable. Yeah. Please do. They, they teach you the three C's and the three C's are, you didn't cause it. You can't cure it. You can't control it. And they're referring to the disease of alcoholism. Um, and for years she had said, I was the problem. Like I was the reason she was drinking, right? If she mm. just removed me from her life, then everything was going to be handy dandy. Mm. Uh, uh, spoiler alert, two years divorce. That's not been true. Uh, it's gotten worse because she hasn't fixed the disease and it's going to only get worse um, unless Shocking. she addresses that. But yep. um, she, uh, um, she'd she wanted the divorce and I, I tried to fight to keep the marriage alive, um, mm. but she had wanted it so much. And I was really believing that maybe she's right. Maybe I am the problem. Uh, so in my heart, You're I didn't believe that. it, yeah. but in my head, I just, I, I, I just felt like maybe she's right. So the ultimatum was pretty simple, repent for your, you know, infidelities. And we have to, to build trust back. We have to go to counseling and work on things like open phones. Like that's social media was a danger that drew her in on her infidelities. Cause she just had this desire to be loved and liked by people. She shouldn't try to be loved and liked by. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had to have an open phone relationship and we had to go into therapy uh, and be willing to talk about these things she didn't want to address her issues. She didn't want to take ownership for it. We actually went to therapy three times, uh, two of the three times um, about the infidelity. Uh, and she begged me to not talk about the infidelity. Like, In so we're there talking about, yeah, we're talking about like communication issues and like what I can do uh-huh. better. And like all this, it was always, I tried for six months to just focus on what could I, what, what can I do better? before I could actually bring up the fact that, Hey, she's cheated on me though. Um, wow. she didn't want to talk about it and be put in that light. She was just so, hmm. I think generally embarrassed Shame. and hurt by yeah. it, but also like you, we were never able to rebuild trust back. Um, so the ultimatum also consisted of inpatient treatment. I did not believe in some kind of program for her as far as it had gotten. She was driving drunk, uh, picking our children up from school. I was anxious at work. I'd be at work. It'd be two o'clock and I'd be like, Oh boy, I got to call her. I got to somehow find out, is she sober? Can I tell? Cause if she's not, I got to go get the kids and like cancel some meetings and like reschedule stuff. Yeah. Um, and that became the last few months of our marriage. And I'm like, this is, what am I doing here? So I gave her the ultimatum for inpatient treatment, repentance and repair the relationship. And she, she'd been the one asking for the divorce. So I didn't expect her to do it, but she said, no, thank you. So she moved out. Man, John, I don't mean to step all over you here, but I've, uh, I know you've got lots of questions too, but I'm, I'm just going to keep rattling some no, of these go off. For it. Yep. Um, Rich in that same theme, you just talked about during the marriage, how you kind of had the, the anxiety of like, you know, is she drinking today? Is she, you know, interacting with the kids? Is she driving with the kids? Like all those things are, those things would terrify me. And I, and I know that they terrify you those things haven't changed though, have they? So like now post divorce situation, those things are still a theme for you, I'm guessing, right? Yeah, I guess I've <clears throat> accepted that, you know, the, the first three steps of al you can summarize as, uh, I, I'm helpless. I, I need help. Uh, I believe there's a higher power who can help me. And the third step is like, I'll, I'll let them, which mm. really about letting go. So I've, I've let go and trusted in that, uh, you know, fate has a plan. My, my God has a plan for my children and they're going to be protected and safe as best as, you know, the plan is, but, um, it is, it's mostly true what you said, JP, but 
she's gotten a few DUIs. So she has to blow to start her vehicle. So that gives me a huge set of comfort, but she's also, you know, had a boyfriend in her life that gave her a car that she didn't have to blow in that she got her, you know, third DUI in. Sure. So it's, uh, yeah, you, you definitely, I've, I've lost a lot less sleep since I've been through, you know, some self-help and self-care, but I still don't feel warm and fuzzy that, you know, they're going to be in their best behavior and it's, it, it comes in waves, right. But the, the waves are becoming more frequently where it's not good. Can I jump in there, JP, for a second? What can, Rich, can you talk a little bit about what it was like to, how you were, how you structured your custody with somebody um, like this? And I, because I'm curious, like somebody who, did she have DUIs before you got divorced? I'm assuming, yes, assuming a history or like a, a legal history in that regard. Is there anything going, does anything happen with your custody when you're dealing with somebody in that situation or is it, is it, are they not looking at that at all? So there's, um, <clears throat> we have 50, 50 custody, legal and physical. And um, it's genuinely what I want, what I wanted back then, what I want right now. Yeah. Um, because when she's sober, um, she's not the best mom, but she's a good mom. Mm -hmm. I'm not the best dad, but I think I'm a good dad. Amen. And oh, amen. So say we all. <laughs> We're always trying. Yep. We're trying to be the best dad. That's what we say. So yeah, I love that. Strive for it. Um, yep. so we we have 50-50 legal physical. Um, but if you if you traced back the last 18, 18 months, 20, 24 months of our divorce, I probably had them 65% of the time because there's been situations where I'm not gonna leave them with her when I know she's actively drunk. Or I got to get them from her because she. I know that they're not in a good situation, um, and in some cases, her family um, has asked me to come get them because she's not in a good situation. Uh, um, I don't know if I did the right thing by the you know not addressing like my what I what I, well I want their mother in their life, and when she's sober, she's a good mom. I don't know if I did the right thing with the way we arrange custody and not maybe maybe if I could go back, maybe I would have drafted it different and fought a little harder because uh going back now is it's a whole different battle and consideration to go through because you know you have to prove endangerment which is uh, really hard to prove wow that's scary well i can't fault you for trying to set it up the way you did i mean that's that's a optimistic uh way to look at it you know if if she has them 50 percent of the time and she's decent, they should have a relationship with their mom. I mean, I can see why you made that decision. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. It's just, uh, doesn't seem like she's held up her end of the bargain on it. No, that and the kids, they want to be with their mother. Mm -hmm. They, they love their mother, but they also, I'm just really, as I'm talking to you in the moment, reflecting on like my father, my childhood, and some of the things that I remember seeing and how it gets normalized this is now being normalized with my children of like, so uh, my oldest is 12 and he's starting to realize because he's seen mom drunk the most. He's the oldest. And, you know, he's seen her passed out at the dinner table and mm. like taking food with her hands. That's not meant for finger food uh, off of her brother and sister's plate. Cause you know, when you just are wasted and you just want to shove some sodium in wow. and, she's seen the, the kids have seen this, but he's seen it the most. I think he's, 
he's losing respect for her and he's treating her in a way that he's, he would never treat me. And she wants my help with this and I want to help with this. But at the end of the day, I don't know how to help because she's brought, she's brought that a lot of this on herself. So, um, I guess for the listeners out there, um, you know, do what right, do what you think is best for you. But I strongly encourage therapy for yourself and asking ther- therapists around, like, how do you know your kids are okay? And when it's right to introduce therapists for your kids. Um, my therapist basically told me like, are your kids getting good grades? Are they sleeping well? Are they eating well? Like those are fundamental things like hmm. uh, school, sleep, food. And my kids are, they're doing really great that way. And then he said, also the fourth thing was look for major changes in behavior. That's not really come up until just now with my oldest, where he's really just trying to not he's being defiant and not listening to his mother. He's 12. He's not a teenager yet. Maybe it's teenage syndrome, but I think it has a lot more to do with just becoming a teenager. Uh, Rich, I got to jump in here. Um, you, you keyed off on something that I was actually considering bringing up on a different episode, um, just to talk about, because it's a, it's a very interesting topic. You said that your, um, one of your kids is having maybe like a jaded type of a relationship with his, with his mother, their mother. And you're not exactly sure like what your role is, um, on like Sherpaing that relationship. Like you're, you're recognizing that it's damaged and it's not well. I'm wondering, and this might be something that we'll have to ask, uh, like if we have like a professional, um, guest one time, I wonder what like our role is as fathers. If we recognize that those relationships with the other parent is damaged, I really wonder what our role is in not helping that. But like, I, I also, I'm just like you, I see value in my kids having a strong relationship with their mother. So if I saw like there was, you know, difficulties in their relationship with her, I wonder what my role would be. Do I just let it be owned by their mother or do I step in and kind of like try to help assist wherever I can? I, I don't know. Like, I'm really interested about that, that you brought up. Um, I don't have a, a solid answer other than um, I'm, well, I, I don't, I don't really love and look forward to in, inter, interacting and engaging with my ex and deciding like, what's the best way to approach these things. And um, I read a book on boundaries. I forget the name. I love it, but uh, I wish I could remember. But at the end of the day, it's very good to establish boundaries. And some of the boundaries I've established is I, I'm not going to get myself in a position of arguing, yelling uh, with her. I'm not going to put myself in a room alone with her while uh, what I said earlier uh, around the spoiler alert around her guaranteed to me that her life was going to be better once I was removed for it. Well, she's begging to come back and there's no way I would ever want her back when I don't, I've told her we're not friends yeah. because, because my friends are people I trust. And yeah. I said, but I said, I will work on a friendship with you. If you work on establishing trust, that's where it starts, but there's zero possibility of us coming back together as a couple, but as, as friends we could do. So yeah. to co-parent, I think you got to have trust. I don't trust her. So to me, it's parallel parenting and she's on a path and I'm on a path and we're going to give the kids different experiences. If, you know, we align on things from time to time, um, that's easy. Great. But most of the time it's probably just because it happens to just be organically on accident because I'm not talking to her about <laughs> these, about these things. Uh, yeah. I believe she has to go her own path and my kids, unfortunately have to go this battle and discover, you know, how to deal with and navigate this, um, but if there's ever a point in time, I think any dad would say the same thing or any mom would say the same thing. Um, if their safety's at risk, uh, 
in a, or, or there's an endangerment case to be had, I'm going to have it because I'm not going to put my kid in that my kids in that situation. Yeah. I have a question about respect. So like you're, you said your son is 12. Um, the, dis, the, like he, he clearly is losing respect for her when he acts out or if he acts out or if he just is showing disrespect. I mean, if, if that was your wife, he was disrespecting, you would say, Hey, you would intervene there and say, you need to respect your mom. Uh, but if but if his mom is somebody who is behaving in a way that you don't believe deserves respect, how do you how do you go about that with a kid? That's tough, right? Super tough. You don't do what my father did to me. What's that? I, I was a pretty uh, rebellious teenager. Uh, my parents divorced, but they had like the 1980s kind of divorce custody where my dad saw me every other weekend. Yep. And uh, I was rebellious to my mother, and I. I think one day she tried to block the door where I couldn't get out and I'd never hurt my mother, but I tried to like move her out of the way so I could get out. And my dad heard about this and he drove over and he grabbed me by the throat, threw me against the wall and said, don't, you don't ever lay a hand on your mother. I'm like, Whoa. Wow. So you don't handle it. You don't handle it that way. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I, boy, at the risk of not sounding in the modern times, my men, my boys are raised to be men that will never, ever lay a hand on a woman. Mm -hmm. especially their mother, especially mm -hmm. their sister, but no woman. And I, there are some strong women that could kick the crap out of me and probably my, my boys, but that's just the way that I think is the way. Um, yeah. And I preach that to them. So in this case, I talked to my son and I just asked him and he's, he's owning it. He's like, I, I, I flat out said, do you want us to come and live with me? And I said, I can't promise that can happen. She's actually asking me to consider this now because of how disrespectful he's been. So that's a, a heavy, a heavy thing that, you know, we need to talk through, but mm -hmm. um, I asked him about this and I, and I said, he said, no, I want to be with my brother and my sister. And then he said like, how cool is this of a 12 year old and the growth he has his maturity. He said, dad, I'm angry at mom and I have to learn how to deal with my anger. Oh, um, that's wow. pretty cool. Yeah. That's great. He's learning all kinds of things that maybe are a little early, but in the long run will serve him well. I think about hey, that Rich. with ours too. I agree. Sorry, That's pretty huge. I'm gonna I'm sorry for jumping in. Um, you just kind of struck a, a chord with me and reminded me of something that you and I talked about before recording the podcast um with your with your son. Have you ever considered and would you recommend the the teen child version of Alanon, it's Alateen, I believe it's called. Is that something that you've researched? Can you maybe talk a little bit about um, <clears throat> what you've thought about going through that? A hundred percent would consider, um, but it's not where I'd start. And this is just speaking for me, but um, I am, uh, my ex and I have agreed that given the circumstances um, in my 12 year old, while he did sh share that very adult you know, has to work on controlling his anger statement. He's a pretty shy, reserved kid. So he doesn't want to talk a lot about these things. Mm -hmm. So uh, we've agreed to get him into counseling. So I'm going to take the lead on getting him set up with a counselor that can, that he, someone he can feel safe and talk to on a, at least on a monthly basis. So that hasn't happened. It's going to happen. That's where I want to start. Um, as he gets older, um, I will recommend not just for him, but all of my children is how this impacts uh, alcoholism impacts families to look into Alateen. Why I'm not starting with Alateen is just uh, as a 12 year old, um, they would accept him in the group. 
um, as a 13 year old, they would accept them, but I'm probably going to wait till they're like 15. Cause here's the thing. I think there's some, there's some pretty interesting things that come up at my Al-Anon statements, uh, or Al-Anon circles that, you know, of course are confidential, but they're shocking. Hmm. And at the Alateen, you know, unfortunately there's evil monstrous things of sexual abuse, physical abuse that I just don't know if I want to expose my young preteen to those type of stories until he's, yep. you know, older and more mature and can process that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds right. Now, when you were going through, uh, Al-Anon yourself, since we're kind of like keying off on this subject a little bit more, um, you talked earlier about how you went there looking for tools to be able to deal with like this alcoholic in your life and how do I fix them and how do I deal with this? And then you found out that you learned some things about yourself and what you're doing. Um, that might, you know, fuel the situation. Can you talk more about those things that you learned about yourself when you uh, started going? Yeah, I learned I was absolutely trying to control. Um, she had accused me of being controlling and I reflected and thought, yep, I am. And <laughs> yep. <laughs> in many cases, yeah, confirmed. You got that one, nailed it. Uh, um, in many cases, the it was altruistic, well-intended, for the betterment of the family from my perspective, because if I'm trying to control her behavior and her drinking to ensure that we have a good time and a safe time, it seems um, justified. It feels right. Yeah. But at the end of the day, that doesn't, no, nobody in any marriage wants to be controlled or felt like they're controlled. And yeah, no, for any reason, I'm sure. It, exactly. Right. So it's uh, it didn't work out. So that was one of the things I learned about myself for sure. That's pretty impressive. Think- what do you think is the alternative there, Rich? Because I think it's, you know, like you said, it's pretty justified to try to keep your family safe and having a good time. Um, what are the things do you think you would do instead of whatever control methods? I mean, I think, you know, like you're talking about trying to get somebody to change their behavior. Is it more about changing your own behavior around that and just hoping they follow along? A hundred percent. To the way I controlled was through the power of trying to influence and, um, and, and and sometimes, you know, you take that, you know, hard stances, like in matter of fact, like this is, this is the way it's going to be. But in most cases it was trying to, uh, manipulate through, uh, you know, uh, twisting things to get to the outcome I wanted or, or, or unleashing anger, uh, to, you know, influence to get the outcome that I wanted. And neither way is really okay. I think the better, more controlled way that, you know, I've been taught through, you know, therapy and Al-Anon would really be focus on how you're reacting. Let them take ownership for, you know, their parts, ask questions, learn to diffuse things. Uh, one of my favorite Al-Anon phrases I heard from my, my sponsor was, you might be right. In the middle of an argument, you'd be surprised how easy it can diffuse things just by saying the words, Yeah, you might, you might be right. You're not admitting they're right. You, you actually probably don't think they're right. But just saying that can actually, you know, take something from DEFCON 4 to, you know, DEFCON 2. Mm-hmm. You're, uh, that's the opposite of, I, during a, an argument, I, I say the opposite of that. I say, you are dead wrong. And I always <laughs> start with that. It never works for me, but I always start with that. <laughs> I, I don't know why that doesn't work. Yeah. You're dead wrong. Um, I do want to kind of transition over to, but by the way, I got to say, as you're kind of going through some of these things, it's really easy to kind of like just focus on each one, each moment individually and be like, wow, that's a wild situation. And then like, you'll go through something else and you're like, wow, that was a wild situation for you while you're married. That was a wild situation. Putting everything all together, looking at everything big picture, taking a step back. 
there were a lot of themes that you had during your marriage that probably made your divorce very difficult. So there was um, infidelity issues that you were dealing with. There's uh, alcoholism. There was uh, trust issues. There was so much happening. How the hell, uh, I'm going to swear again, Rich, I'm sorry, because I know you're a religious man, but how the fuck <laughs> did you recover from all this? What was your process? What did your process look like to heal from this divorce, this wild divorce? Uh, swearing is okay. I try to reduce it, but uh, I'm a sinner. I swear uh, more <laughs> often than I'd like to admit. Great. But, That's great. Uh, so you need a community, right? That's such an easy cliche answer, like a tribe, your people, you need to find, you know, surround yourself with wisdom and, you know, unbiased advice uh, and sometimes biased advice because you just want people to reinforce what you already know is right, but just vent it and just be a venting point. So I, I'll just, uh, in, in business and time, sometimes you, you build a networking wheel, like who, who do you need to rely on? Who do you need to get to know? Uh, who do you yep. need to invite in your life? And if um, I thought about my, my folks I relied on, it'd be my mother, my best friends. Uh, and I had Al-Anon, my sponsor in Al-Anon. I had my church. I, I went to a divorce care group. Um, wow. And uh, my, my church provided a divorce care group. And, you know, they, they put you through the process of like uh, grieving, um, that's actually something I'd like to talk about is just how do you grieve this process? Cause I, I wasn't very, very good at this, but I'll, I'll come back to that. Um, yeah. And books, I read lots of books um, to try to, you know, clear my head. And then I had, a, I had my own therapist, as I've mentioned. So how I got through all of that was just the, maybe the grace of God and just a ton of resources and investment of people. Um, but it wasn't easy. Um, I, I remember I haven't, all right, I'll, I'll just, I'll just do it now. I'll talk about the grief. Yeah, um, please do. I have not fully grieved my divorce. I know I haven't because I'm an emotional dude, right? They hit, hit me with the wrong, like sentimental commercial and I'm going to cry. And, <laughs> yeah. and I, I have cried really one time in this entire divorce process. And I know there's just, just pent up in me. I just don't know how to get it out yet. I have no mm. idea. I know we have, bag everybody brings baggage into every relationship, especially when you're, you know, uh, once, once you get above like your thirties and I'm in my forties, like you're bringing baggage, it's just a matter of how big and how much, but, mm. um, I dropped my kids off when she moved out. Uh, we weren't fully divorced, but we had verbally agreed to 50, 50 custody and it was her time with the kids. So for the first time I was dropping them off for hurt their period. And I drove away and I just cried and I did not feel right. Like, I just felt like this is not what we signed up for. This is not what my kids deserve. It's not what I deserved. Like, you know, what, what is all of this? And I knew there was no going back um, just because those, those other things were just going to be the same pro problems. And, um, but yeah, that's it. That's all um, 12 years of marriage. And that's, that's it. That's the one time I grieved and cried about this scenario. And I wish like, I wish I could like get it out there. Right. Um, I I'm active in working out and things like that. That's helpful. I think, and just getting some things out, but I don't know. I feel like there's undealt with things that hopefully it comes out soon. Maybe not in my seventies. Uh, I'd <laughs> rather not harbor it for that long, but I just know there's something there. John, I know you feel it too, but I, I start, I'm, I'm here tearing up, listening to Rich talk about that moment when he dropped yeah. his kids off. Cause I had the exact same experience in the exact same moment. 
and I still do from time to time. Like I'll still drop them off mm-hmm. after having a great like five day stretch with them. And I'll tear up a little bit, you know, like you kind of get into a rhythm, but like I, I had that exact moment, the first drop off. And I was just like, I, I just felt so, so much sadness, you know, and, uh, I feel for you as you're talking about that, that's, uh, looking back on things in hindsight, that might've been some of the hardest moments for me is like just the, the impact of the kids and yeah, you and I, used I can't to... wake up and give them a good morning hug. Go ahead, John. You and I used to check in on yeah. drop off days. We still regularly. do. We still do once in a while. Yeah. We use the hashtag drop off days. Yep. Yeah, that's right. That's right. God. Yeah. There were some tough times driving down that, that hill from dropping them at her house. Um, yeah. Uh, Rich, can you talk a little bit about the divorce? What did you call it? The divorce care group at your church? Yeah, it's, it's not then, um, it's nothing specific to my church. There's a national program for it. If you Google divorce care, there's a nationally, I don't know if it's accredited, but it's a Mm -hmm. national program. Uh, it goes through a lot of churches, a lot of churches who want to help people through divorce have this and they train facilitators and they go through the curriculum. Um, ironically the mic is sitting on one of the books where i'd pull it out and get you some of the resources but, <laughs> don't pull um, it out i like how you is. keep it in hand though just in case <laughs> don't pull anything out rich i don't know if uh reviewers are ready for that here's here's what i found that is super helpful though about al-anon divorce care my friends um you start to feel isolated and you start to feel like a victim of like why is this happening to me and like alone and, you know, nobody understands what I'm going through. And those are just lies. Hmm. The truth of the matter is many people have been through what you've been through. Some had it a little bit easier. Some had it a lot worse, but in those Al-Anon and divorce care circles specifically, you tell your story, you share what you want to share. And it's healing for me. For me, it was healing just to get it out, mm-hmm. but then to listen and you're not there both Al-Anon and Divorce Care, both programs, you are not there to counsel other people. They make that very clear, but you're there to support other people. And you do that just by listening to their stories. And um, when you hear people who've been through, you know, similar things, worse things, you start to not feel alone. Sometimes you even walk out of there grateful for that your situation, that there was things weren't worse. They could have been worse. Um, and there's even sometimes I'd say it's actually more common than you'd think you laugh your ass off. There you go, JP. I got a swear word in there for you. We're going to bleep that out post-production. It's okay to laugh and have fun through this stuff, right? That's uh, it is okay. Yeah, no, Um, that's great. I, uh, I, I wanted to jump in uh, on that and just say that that's, I mean, that's what, that's what we wanted to do with this show in the first place. Was yeah, talk to people so they know th- this shit. I'll say a swear word too, guys. I'm cool. Oh, uh, shit. <laughs> also happened to us. Like all these other things are so universal. You you go through these situations, and mine is nothing like yours, Rich, and mine was nothing like yours either, JP. But even though we have kind of three different separate divorce stories, there's so many themes that you notice throughout, and it's it's like it's hearing the same song by a different instrument or something, and uh, that it gives you something to hold on to. Yeah. And speaking of that, I might add um, like a corroboration plug for Al-Anon. Rich, you actually had direct um, implications of um, alcoholism and substance abuse that you were dealing with, uh, as, and that resulted in you wanting to seek out Al-Anon. 
but I might say that the, the, the step program that they have in those, um, classes and the support groups that would be, tr that would be, a um, good for anybody in any type of situation that they're like in a struggle, right? Like I I'm going to, I'm going to hold something up rich and see if you can recognize this. Yep. I oh, have it's, it. You're getting blurred out there. Uh, sorry, saw, we're on Zoom, user. <laughs> I, I the, saw it though. The, it's okay. the yeah. blueprint for progress, Alanon's fourth step inventory. I was given this by a friend of mine who has actually goes to Alanon. Rich is showing up. His there is his. Jeez, we have the no same way. book. I'm holding mine. He's holding his uh, books. I, mean, I want to be very clear what we're books. holding. You're holding your books. We're yeah, holding books. our books. Just our books. Yep. Nothing what else. Calls it. Um, that's what I call it. That's why I nicknamed it. But uh, I was given this book from a friend who goes to Alanon. Um, just to educate himself because he's got some um, themes of alcoholism around him. Also, he's, he's, he goes there to educate himself. And the steps are very helpful and helpful to the point where he's given me this book, this blue book to kind of use for my situation. I don't, there's no alcoholism surrounding me. Like, like that wasn't a theme in my divorce or any of any, any, any of my circles, friendships, um, family, nothing, but like this kind of stuff would be very helpful for somebody who doesn't have that alcoholism theme inside their lives. Would you, would you agree with that, Rich? I, I would agree with that. I would I would uh, caveat it with uh, officially to be a member of Al-Anon or AA, you have to have been impacted by alcoholism or addiction. Now, that's the official stance that the organization takes. Um, but I would argue who the hell in this planet doesn't have somebody they know in their life that's been impacted by you know, an addiction and they don't just focus on alcohol. Um, there's yeah. many people that I was surrounded with in Al-Anon that had methamphetamines and, you know, uh, other, you know, pills and things that they were addicted to, um, that were, that, that they, they, they or their children were going through. And, um, so yeah, I think everybody pretty much qualifies, but the purpose of what you're saying is like, are there resources? Is the program, is the plan helpful? Yeah. Cause it helps you not try to give other people the power over your life and focus on your control, your self inner peace. And how do you, you know, navigate around problems and conflict when there's trouble in this world. And, uh, you know, the Bible says there's going to be trouble, whether you believe in the Bible or not. I think we've all experienced some trouble. Yeah. And it's a, it's an instant support group. Like you're talking about, and I always want to like, um, I'm going to call back some of the things that you talked about. I've got a couple more follow-up questions from your, your things. Cause we're kind of getting to the point now we're going to have to wrap things up soon. Um, I want to give John some opportunities to ask uh, some additional questions. We're going to do the burning question of the podcast and then we'll wrap things up with uh, final thoughts with John. I do want to uh, share one example of how I heard about Alan and learned about it too. Yeah, Cause I was away. oblivious to it. Oh, you want me to yeah, do that now? Yeah. Do, do that right now. Since it's the same theme. Yep. Um, I think it's a good one that, um, Again, uh, my goal of joining here is like, uh, I think you guys are great, but also I want to help people. So I hope, I hope it hits home this story. Um, when you hold it in as a lot of times us dads do, and you know, you just push it down, it does spill over at some point. And, you know, I spend most of my time on, at work and I remember being in this meeting with this, this person and they're like, are you okay? Now, I didn't know this person that well. I had had only like one other meeting with him, but I couldn't hold it in anymore. I couldn't, mm -hmm. I was at my breaking point. She was driving drunk with the kids on a regular basis. I was like scrambling and just trying to keep, you know, everything going right at home and get the kids in the sports and just constant change and pressure. And I just let it spill out. And I'm like, I'm not okay. And I just regurgitated everything of like all the issues to this person in Palomar. And they were like, <laughs> yeah. and 
they were like, Hey, have you ever heard of Alan? I'm like, no, they're like, write, write it down, Google it, check it out. So I did. That's how I found out about Al-Anon. It's just, it just un- came out in this unfortunate spillover of a coworker that I barely knew who guided me towards a resource. But I just, I say that because I think it's okay to let, you know, let your story out there and share it. Maybe you don't want to spill it over, you know, uncontrollably like I did, but trust people that they, I think humans generally want to help humans, uh, you know, achieve betterness. Yeah. Nice job, coworker. Yeah. Up top. Glad. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and then here's, uh, some additional follow-up stuff. So you said during all of that, when you were kind of discovering things about yourself and you talked about some of the things that you did, like, what was your, and I always like refer to it as like a accommodation to a safe, like when you're recovering from divorce or something very difficult, like a breakup betrayal, you need to find those things. Uh, like you talked about books, um, your support group, your church group, Al-Anon, um, all those things were your combination to open that safe of healing, you know? Um, so you figured yours out. And one of the things that you keyed off on was books. Um, you read lots of books to kind of help you understand things differently and kind of heal from that. What were maybe one or two of your favorite books that you came across just to kind of give to some listeners out there? Boy, I really want to answer this thoughtfully. And um, <laughs> the that Boundaries book was one of my favorite. I'm I'm checking my phone app because uh, I think I had it in here. If you find it after the fact, we'll throw a note in the show. Oh, it's just and, called and Boundaries. Show notes. Oh, that's okay. the one I was going to ask you if it was. I, I I was Googling that as you were talking about it to try to help you out. And Who's yeah, I the found author, one called Boundaries by John Townsend. Yep, that's the one. Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend Boundaries. Um, Crazy. That was super helpful. If there's infidelities to deal with, there's another book I read called Getting Past the Affair. Now you're supposed to read that. It, it actually sets it up with like, you can read it by yourself or you can read it together. It's better if you read it together. She refused wow. to read it with me, um, but sure. I read it. Um, you read it to her like <laughs> forcefully. No, I'm just kidding. That was the controlling part. This is me narrating to her. Course of many, many weeks. Uh, narrated by Rich. And then there's a, another author named Gary Chapman. Um, he's most famous for his book called The, the Five Love Languages. Um, but it just helps you understand like how you love people, how you want to be loved. Um, and not everybody speaks the same language. I'm reading his book right now, um, just to help me with my healing and just be the best dad I can be. Right. We talked about trying to be, be better every day. Um, he's got a book that's geared towards understanding children. He writes with someone else who is a child psychologist of like the five love languages of your children. Um, Dang. those are the books that jump out at me. Yeah. I just, I, I, I fucking love this show not because we're giving to people that are listening, but I, I get a lot from the show every time too. Like I get, every time we have a guest, I, I write a million things down and I find I more things for myself to, to help. So this show is the most self-serving show you and I w- will ever, <laughs> this, the most self-serving thing we'll ever do is talk to other people because we get, that's so true. We don't care if anybody listens. We're just, <laughs> or we're doing this selfishly. We love it. <laughs> that's right. Um, Thanks Rich for that. That's very helpful. We'll put those in the show notes also for those that are listening so that you can check those books out too. They might be helpful for you also. Um, and my last question, and then I'll turn it over to John for questions um, before we we kick it uh, the end of the podcast with the the last two small sub segments. I want to know like where are they now? So like you you had this tremendous story um, of marriage and trials and tribulations and divorce, very difficult divorce, and you're kind of like still learning how this uh, life after divorce is. But like, what what does Rich's life look like right now? Oh, so. Better than married uh, to an alcohol, an active alcoholic who you couldn't trust. So I, I can say that that's a with 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 a lot of confidence. 
very different uh, in terms of uh, I, there are benefits to divorce as much as people want to be resistant to it. And I, I get to parent my children the way I want to parent. That was one of the things we always argued about is how we parent our children. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, like I said, I'm not a huge subscriber with someone I don't trust to co-parent with. So I parallel parent it and I'm on my path with my kids. And mm-hmm. Oh, damn. And you probably uh, heard, uh, we had a previous episode about parallel parenting uh, that we put put up there. You mentioned that you heard a couple of little snippets from that that you liked. So. Currently in the Disney vault. Yep. Yes. Yep, currently in the vault. <laughs> I, I I did listen to that episode and I love that. And I'd actually heard that concept before from um, uh, a friend who introduced me to it and I've been subscribing to it and that underscored it for me. Um, so I'm, I'm better. Um, I'm healthier. Um, uh, a little bit past the, the divorce, still with some healing in front of me. I'm dating. I have a girlfriend. Um, I think she Ooh. is. Yeah, she's, she's fantastic. Uh, she's I don't want to say like everything that, you know, my ex wasn't because, you know, there's good and bad in every person, but, mm-hmm. um, she, and not even bad. Like there's good and there's different or something. Yeah. Different. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's good in there. I don't even think there's bad and people, unless there's, they're actually bad people, but I, I would, uh, yeah, no, this, my ex is not a bad person. She's sick. <laughs> she's, um, she's, she's a bad person. The disease of alcoholism is for sure bad. Um, but mm-hmm but my girlfriend and I are really enjoying each other's company anytime. And I, you know, obviously taking things slow. So that's a, a bit where I'm at And my, my children are, they're thriving in their sports. They're still thriving in their school. Really the, the thing to kind of keep a caution watch for is my son oldest and getting them some help and making sure he's got an outlet um, and just knows that, you know, I love and support them. Um, the, you know, kind of, I have a much better understanding of alcoholism and empathy for people who are impacted by this disease. They talk about it being a progressive disease and it only gets worse. It never gets better without being arrested. The other thing that I didn't mention is that it's a family disease. And that's really obvious when you say it out loud, but you have to understand like this disease does not impact just the alcoholic. It impacts everybody that cares about that alcoholic. Mm. Um, Even people who depend on that alcoholic, um, and I've, I've seen this happen from afar. You know, I mentioned that my ex's father is an alcoholic. Hey, um, I've, I've been at the birthday party at the restaurant waiting for him to show up, watching his three children. Silence. All of them know what's happened and he's not showing up and the look on their faces and to know that, you know, that's not who he wants to be, but yet it's who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the same thing in, in my children, in my ex's eyes, I have, I have where I'm at today is a lot more empathy for people for, for all scenarios and hurts in the world, but especially alcoholism. Nice. Hey man. Thanks for sharing I'm gonna that. Uh, roll John, off go ahead. Your... Any final questions here? And then I'll do burning question next. Yeah. I just want to roll off your last um, little, your last statement there, Rich. It sounds like you have a lot to be grateful for kind of sounded like you were listing things you're grateful for your relationship with your kids. They're doing good at school. Um, things like that, better understandings of things. Um, I just like to, I like to look into the future a little bit and like, what are you looking forward to? I I had this talk, uh, with somebody the other day and maybe I mentioned it to you, JP, but I just, I had this feeling the other day that like, geez, I'm about, I'm about two years from separation and about, seven, eight months from actual divorce. And I feel like, man, life is just getting interesting. 
And I, there's a lot of things I'm looking forward to in the next, in the coming years. You know what I mean? What do you, uh, what about you, Rich? Do you, you, you get that feeling? Do you, are the things you're looking at in the future that, um, like, like positive note to go out on? Yeah, for sure. Um, I've, I've always wanted to be active in, you know, the community. Um, and again, one of the, the pros of a partner is you can share those responsibilities, but one of the cons of a partner is you got to talk and agree about it. And that's hard uh, when you're not on the same plane and there's other issues of mental health and addiction involved and it's even harder. So that, that variable has been removed. So now I can, I can coach my kids sports when I, when I choose and I want to, I can volunteer at my church, you know, when I want to, how I want to, I, I require zero approvals. Um, so the free, the freedom that I have right now and um, you know, as much as I, appreciate my girlfriend. I don't necessarily need to check on my decisions that I'm making with her unless they involve her. Yeah. Uh, and there's some freedom in that. So, I mean, I I'm looking forward to just the next, you know, uh, short period of my life to just have that freedom and to make the choices that I think are the best for my, ch my children first and myself second. And I love, I love, I love that. I have that opportunity right now. That's awesome. Good question. All right, all you Kims and Jims, it's that time again. It's the burning question of the podcast. I've got a really good one for both John and Rich. I'm going to ask John first, uh, and then Rich, you can weigh in uh, after John's answered. Here's the question. Uh, I would say, what what piece of advice would you give the 2020 version of yours? I'm guessing like four or five years ago, you guys were both kind of in the middle of it. You know, yeah. What <laughs> advice would you give to the 2020 version of yourself, having just being like right in the middle of it all? You're asking me first. Yep, you're first. What what piece of advice would you give 2020 John, knowing yeah. what you know now? That's a good question. Uh, I'm thinking about where I was in 2020. So yeah, 2020 would have been before anything went down for me. Uh, I think I think everything started falling apart in 2021, like April of 21. Yeah. So 2020 me, I would say. Save a lot of money. Some shit's gonna happen here. <laughs> this this is fair. Like if this is the this is the advice. But Throw I would also say cash. it's not it's not a silly question. I, I thought about it a lot. Like to to Rich's point too. Like what are the things that you did that caused the situation you were in? And I, I've given that a lot of thought. And so if I was talking to the guy uh, who kind of got blindsided by somebody wanting a divorce. Um, and I could talk to him 18 months earlier, I might say, um, I might say, don't, um, don't be afraid to be yourself in that house. Like I was, there was a lot of times where I was like walking on eggshells, worried about being judged, worrying about how she, how she, she perceived my parenting to be all of that. And I really let it get to me a lot. And I guess I would say like, just do the thing that feels best to you and and you have to just let go of the the perception and the judgment and the whatever else and just be yourself and it, and if it all falls apart that's fine you know that's probably I like what that. i tell that guy that's, that's beautiful so, that's sound advice you should have listened to that advice yeah right that's beautiful yeah well said <laughs> rich same question 2020 rich what are you going to tell yourself I, you got to give him some advice you know what he's about to go through in the next like several years well, I, I'll underscore what Jonathan said in terms of the uh, financials and prepare yourself and be smart. <laughs> um, but I had the privilege. Brace of, yourself. 
waiting a few seconds. So I Google searched the best performing stock of 2021 and it was Vertex <laughs> Energy. So buy a bunch in 2020. Just load oh, Rich up, is, brother. Rich is going to pull the Biff's sports all Goddamn genius. Here, I, I love think. that. <laughs> um, so the real answer though is I wouldn't have waited. Um, and I'm more conscious of that today. Like talk about the things that Jonathan S. I was looking forward to. Well, uh, I think I probably should have made this decision and put that ultimatum out there um, sooner. So don't wait and tolerate things like that. I normalized that when you, when I eventually started reaching out for help, it was like, really, those things are happening. Like you got to do like people were like, why aren't you reacting quicker? And I wish I would have acted quicker. Mm -hmm. That's a great answer. Damn. Damn you guys. Okay. That's good. Uh, and that's it for the burning question. Now we're going to transition to one of my favorite moments of the podcast because I just sit back and listen and I don't have to do anything. So I get to be lazy, uh, but I want all you kids. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All you Kims and Jims, pull that little lever on your recliner, kick your feet up, turn the volume down, and relax yourself. Kind of like maybe do like some relaxation exercises because it's time for Final Thoughts with Jonathan Miller. Well, this wasn't hard. We did a lot of talking about um, Al-Anon today, and I think, it's a, I think it raises a theme that JP and I like to talk about a lot, which is like looking inside, uh, self-reflection, controlling what you can control. Um, I wonder, and I'm just, I like to make these more open and, and more of a dialogue than, uh, just a monologue here, but I, I wonder rich what going through Al-Anon and, and learning about the way you, um, you show up and the way you react to things that are happening around you is that, have you been able to bring that into your, into other parts of your life, into your work life, into your parenting, all of that stuff, and not just in relationships, but, um, What's the what? What of the what am I bringing to this situation? What energy am I bringing to this situation uh, versus like what is the situation giving to me? Right. I think that's a hundred percent yes. That the principles that you learn in Al-Anon to deal with how to uh, live with uh, an alcoholic uh, and how to deal with the hurts that have come with the impact of an alcoholic are applicable in parenting. Are applicable in your career. Um, and the program actually talks about that. There's a book called Courage to Change that is a part of the Al-Anon program, and it's a daily devotional, basically. Um, but many of the stories around how, like, there's different stages of this, I'll say, enlightenment as you work through the steps. <laughs> sure. And many people go through the steps many times. Um, so you can get to different levels of this, but there's folks who just really talk about, like, they have so much peace. Um, I talked to a, a woman in New York when uh, about Al-Anon. Um, just to learn about it before I actually went, um, when the, when I spilled over to the coworker and she said that she said this with confidence, she said, I've been married for 26 years and my husband has been sober for like 25 of those. Um, but he could get drunk and fall off his ass and, you know, be fall down and terrible. I'm going to be okay. And to hear someone talk with like that kind of confidence. Hell like, yeah. yeah. I was like, I want some of that. So it certainly applies in all, all aspects of life, in my opinion. That's, That's awesome. Amazing. Yeah, I think that it tells you, it, it teaches you, I think, that you have agency and control uh, over over yourself, over your own situation. And, and you, because it's it's less about these things, these outside things are happening to me, right? And it's more about like how I react to them. And, and I think gives you a lot of confidence in that. I think that applies to just about everybody who's, uh, like we said, parenting has a job whatever. It doesn't just have to be a, a substance abuse issue to, to need those things to get through a life. So I love that. 
I agree. And on that note, uh, I want to say a very special thank you to our guest, Rich, for joining us and sharing with us, yeah. sharing your story uh, this week on this episode. Thank you so much, all you Kims and Jims, for listening this week. Make sure you check out the uh, on, on your favorite listening platform. Check out the subscribe button. Look at it for a little bit. And if you want to click it, go ahead. Click it. Leave a comment. Leave us a like. Really important for the algorithms we get that get out there and get in front of people. Make sure you follow us on our favorite social media platform. We're on Instagram, TikTok, X. It's uh, at BadWeatherPod. Check out our website. This is the most important part. It's badweatherwellness.com. We'll have recent episodes on there, lots of resources. And finally, check the show notes for this week's episode because all of the different materials, the different links and tools and um, documents that we covered will be in the show notes listed as well. And as always, thank you guys so much for listening. Bye. Thanks for being here, Rich. Thank you, gentlemen, for the opportunity. Have a great day. Take care of yourself. I want to forget my bad days Everything sucks.